Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Film, television, stage actress Lois Robbins has quite a list of credits to her name. She is perhaps best known for her roles on the daytime soaps, One Life to Live, Loving, Ryan's Hope, and All My Children. She's also had guest shots on Sex and the City, Law and Order, Kingpin, and Once and Again. Films include Blowtorch, starring Billy Baldwin, Kathy Jimmy, and Armand DeSante, Juvie with Eric Roberts, and Ithaca, directed by and starring Meg Ryan's Sam Shepard and Melanie Griffith. Lois is part of the cast of the independent film The Aspirin Papers, with Vanessa Redgrave, her daughter Jolie Richardson, and Jonathan Rhys Myers. Filming gets underway this fall in Venice. Then there's the theater. L-O-V-E-R, bearing it all, the one-act play she wrote. Lois has also starred in a pair of world premiere musicals, My History of Marriage by Oscar and two-time Grammy winner David Shire, and A Time for Love, also by David Shire. Lois has performed at the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center, Goodspeed Opera, Trinity Repertory, Studio Arena Theater, and Roundabout. Oh, and there is one more thing. Lois is writing a novel. So, Lois, welcome, and thanks for joining me Thank today. You. So, I guess it's easy. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense to say you're one busy broad. I am really busy. And, Why? I, have, and Why? I have three children, by the way. Oh, well, that's I don't think just we didn't even mention that. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I like to ask this question of people who are in the arts. Were you acting as a child, and did you put plays on in the barn in the backyard? I did all of those things. I think the germination is actually that I'm the youngest of four sisters, and they were quite a bit older than I am, so I couldn't attention. get a word in edgewise in my house, and the only way that I could get attention was to sing, and I, I used to write plays, and I, I'd sit with my tape recorder and be all the voices and create dialogue. And, and that just came to you? It, like, I don't, it was a I natural was, act? I think it was also that my parents were done child-rearing by the time I came along, so I I was alone a lot. I've heard and, that from a lot of performers. Yeah. So I just entertained myself all the time. I had a very active fantasy life. I used to set my dolls up. They were characters in my plays. And uh, I did a first grade play when I was five years old. I played April Showers, which, you know, I had to cry on cue. <laughs> and that was it for me. I thought that was just amazing. You, so that obviously leads to the fact that through your schooling, you starred or you acted in the school plays. Always. I was and, always a lead in the school plays. And were you any good? Um, or was I, it, were you the lead just by virtue of default? Nobody I'm else. Probably the because job? no one was as good in those days. Although <laughs> by the time I got to high school, we had actually a very, very talented uh, high school. Did you and live in New York City growing no, up? No, I grew up out on Long Island, okay. which I very rarely tell anyone. But I'm telling you, <laughs> your um, secret's safe with me. Yeah, so I went to a high school where uh, we were I had a very active uh, theater program, and I starred in a lot of the plays, not all of them. So I had you know. And then what lead. was going to happen to you? When you graduated, were you going to go to a college and I major in I started auditioning. I started auditioning uh, right away while I was in high school. My parents wouldn't let me audition until I was old enough to get myself to the audition. So I would take the train into New York and, and Long do that. Island is not far from exactly. New York City. So I did television commercials and oh, uh, so I you went, started earning a living. I started early. Yeah, I started early, and then I went to college. I was a theater major. At Where'd you Ithaca go to school? College. Ith- oh, sure. And then did I, you I have started an working agent right away before you went to college. I think I got my agent literally just when I graduated. We did a um, – the, the school would have uh, – they bring us into New York in the senior year, and we would audition for agents. And then I – You're talking about high school or co- no, college. college. And Col- then oh. while I was in college, I was uh, working on One Life to Live. I had like – it was a day player part, so I would go in – 
to do this role. And I met Bryn Thayer, who was an actress on the show, and she liked me so much. She said, you have to meet my agents. You remind me so much of me when I started. So she sent me to meet her agents, and they signed me. So I left I left college with an agent, and I That's was That's not typical. But I had, um, I guess, a face for daytime television. <laughs> and even though all I wanted to do was theater. That's, that was the rub. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to do theater, but back then they would say, well, if you looked a certain way, you went, you know, you did t- daytime television, especially mm-hmm. if you were living in New York. But it's also, and I don't take anything away from that, too. It's also skill. Nobody suffers fools gladly. They're not going right. to hire you because they feel sorry right. for you or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, I would assume that doing soap operas and television earned you a nice chunk of change. I was making a living. It was pretty extraordinary. And I was very lucky that I had parents at that point, even though they really did not want me to be in the entertainment business. They, it was To them, it was just a horrible profession mm. with horrible people. Uh, <laughs> but that's, that's how they felt. And, um, but my, my parents were very supportive. And my, and my dad said right away, you know, I, I don't want you to have to be a waitress. And I will pay your rent as long as I see you're working hard, oh, and then you can fabulous. pay your own rent. And mm-hmm. they really, and I, they, they knew I was a worker, so they didn't have. I was very ambitious for myself, and they knew that. So they, well, they, you were focused, yes. And this was not something frivolous for you, no. and that it was serious stuff, yes. And all those dolls and and writing and in the, they paid you know, off. It paid <laughs> off. It paid off. So here you are. You're not even twenty, right. and you're in a soap opera. Yeah. The funniest your... thing is my very first television commercial was for Love's. Diapers, okay. Okay. And I, a new mom, new mom. And the thing was, I was very sophisticated looking, Mm -hmm. I guess. And I remember I did a commercial for uh, Calgon again. Calgon, take me away. I'm a harried mother, you know. uh, The traffic, (laughs) the boss, the baby, the dog. Calgon, take me away. And you're not even twenty, (laughs) man. And I remember the director saying to me, "Remember that I told you this. When your sophistication catches up to the way you look, you're going to work all the time." Wow. And he was right. I started working like a mad woman in my 40s. Isn't that something? You were never really a starving actress. I was never a starving actress. Isn't that amazing? Yes, and not to take anything away from your talent and what goes on, but you hear that I had to be a waitress and I had to do this. I was waiting for my big break. But I didn't take it for granted. I knew what I wanted and I worked really hard to achieve it. And then I uh, I got married really young and I had three kids. And so you're juggling a lot of balls in the air, yes. woman, weren't you? Mm-hmm. But let's let's leave okay. the family off to All the right. side for a second because what I want to ask you is, did you get most of your work early on here or were you by coastal no, I got most of my work here. So for people who don't know, the soaps were shot here. Right. How did you morph from one soap to another? In those days, ABC would just do that. They would write you off of one show and bring and you on to you another, another one. Yeah. If their audience liked you, they... So you had reoccurring roles. I had contract roles. And then what came after the soaps and the commercials? When did film and live theater enter your life? Children came into my life. Oh, right. right. I had had them, and then the work started to dry up because if you're, you know, having kids Mm -hmm. and unavailable, they're not so interested. I got um, a role right after my first child was born. I was hired to be on As the World Turns. And I wasn't suffering postpartum depression. I just was really happy to be a mom. Mm. And I remember calling my agents and crying and saying, I'm not ready to be here. You need to get me off of this show. And so, That is unorthodox, isn't yeah. it? I didn't stop working, but I wasn't as active or busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, for There was a, a, a chunk of... Uh, a couple of years. And then when they were all in school, 
Um, they're six years uh, apart. So what, what are the their eldest. ages? So Olivia is now 27. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen is 25 and Victoria is 21. But I decided that I was going to have to make some sacrifices uh, to get myself back into the you know, the game of my my work, which I loved so much. So I made a deal with my husband. I said, listen, I've been here uh, taking care of these kids while you've been building your career. Tag, you're it. I <laughs> need to go out of town to do some theater because if I don't, I'm, nobody's going to hire me in New York. And I obviously was... he had nothing to do. His profession has nothing to do with the theater. No, yes. no, no, no. So I started auditioning for regional theater. Can you believe this? I'm like, a, you know, a mom, a mom. And in the summertime, my kids would go to camp, camp and I would... So that was your kind of re-entry, so to speak? My re-entry was going back to the theater, which was my original love. And I started doing all of this regional theater and booking really great things. Oh, it actually happened. I started doing a one-woman show uh, that I was doing at different clubs around New York. And that one, you wrote? That I wrote. It, it was not. It was not a. It was. I was singing, and I and write. You sing too. I sing, and I and I wrote all the patter for the show. Okay. So I was doing it. All of a it. sudden, I I got to personalize this. I just feel like chop liver. No, but go ahead. No. <laughs> so I was doing the show, and I get a call the next day after one of my shows, and the voice on the other end of the phone says, "Hi, Lois. Um, you don't know me, but it's uh, Richard Maltby, songwriter." calling and I was at your show last night. You're really good. I'd love to write you some special material if you're interested. Oh my gosh. So, this is a true story. So I said, oh my, is this, I thought it was a gag. Sure. I thought somebody's making it up. We made a date. He came over to my apartment. He said, so what do you want to say in your show? And I'm telling him about my life. And he said, so basically you're wanting to have it all. I said, I guess I am. He said, well, I happen to have a song called I Want It All that I've written, but I'm going to rewrite all those lyrics for you. So he rewrote all the lyrics to that song. He gave it to me. He said, now do your show about that. That's what it's about. Oh, my gosh. And so I redid my whole show. I did it again. He came to see me. Then I got hired to do a play up in Westchester at a theater called the Schoolhouse Theater. And he came up to see it. Now we became friends, and I became friends with his wife. And he came to see it, and he said, I love this theater. I have an idea for a musical. And he spoke to the people at the theater, and we did this musical. That was the beginning of me having a real life in the theater, and I really owe it to him. He created this this play for me. I don't know why it happened. Sometimes you just, you know, they say success comes when preparation and opportunity meet, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that was that was the real example of that. I, I believe that that's true. That there doesn't have to be an analysis of something. Right. That sometimes, you know, the stars align in a mm-hmm. certain way, and you know, whether it's right place, right time. He maybe he was supposed to be there, and I've used this. Term term before um, when I'm interviewing guests, this Yiddish word called beshert, yep, which course I know beshert. <laughs> it's supposed to be. You said something that I want to go back on. What was your first experience in live theater? Well, right out of uh, school, I would do, and it's, I'm really going back, so it's hard because I did a lot of theater, obviously, in college as a theater major, but right out of school, I guess I did a lot of showcases and um, theater like that. I auditioned, but I was really, I think at that point, you're really pegged one way or the other. It was very hard for my agents to get me theater auditions because everybody saw me as a TV girl. Precisely. That's why I'm bringing that up. And I did some film work in those days as well. Uh, It was really my own tenacity. Because the having my kids, the TV work was drying up. So I thought, well, I live in New York. And and then, of course, there was this whole period of time where there wasn't a lot of stuff going on here. 
So I had to do theater, and nobody was hiring me for theater because I didn't have enough theater credits. So, so it became a vicious cycle in a way. Yes. Yeah, so I went to Trinity Rep, and I went to Good Speed Opera House, and I went to the Rubicon Theater. You and, took your and show on the road, I, so to I speak. I took it on the road, mm-hmm. and... Then all of a sudden, because of Richard Maltby, Mm -hmm. he hired a director named Joel Silberman to direct this show. Joel was very close to Michael Bush. It's really dominoes, you know, one one hand, Mm -hmm. one right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Michael took a shine to me and uh, decided that he wanted to do Cactus Flower. Sure. The revival of Cactus Lauren Flower. Lauren Bacall, right? Yes. She originated the role? That's right. Mm-hmm. So he thought I was great for it, hired me. We went out of town to Albany to do it. Dowell Roth came in to produce it at the yes, West Side Theater. a very bold-faced name in the, the- theatrical yes. world. Yes, and I thought, well, this is it. This is going to be the big the thing that launches me, you know, launches me back into my world and mm-hmm. my career. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the show just did not do that well, but I got great reviews. And speaking of Lauren Bacall, when I was preparing for the role, I read her autobiography. And I wanted to know what her experience of doing that role was. And I found out that she loved um, Zabar's. To tell people what Zabar's is who may not. Zabar's <laughs> is a wonderful gourmet grocery shop where they have the best cheeses and prepared foods and fresh in produce in mm-hmm. Manhattan on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Famous, famous place. So... I thought, oh, she loves Zabar's. I'm going to go to Zabar's and make her a goodie basket because I knew she lived at the Dakota. And I went and I got all her favorite things that I read she loved from the book. And I wrote her a personal note telling her how excited I was to be reprising this role. And That takes a lot of balls. What a great thing to do. Well, for me, this was a turning point in my life. I can almost weep talking about it because I love Lauren because I loved her. I mean, I just admired everything about her. She was so beautiful. So talented. I, I thought her her a life, real class. Act, yeah, it yeah. really was. And I was so so thrilled to be doing this this role. Also, I love comedy, and I was excited that I was getting you know to to do comedy. So anyway, I sent her this goodie basket with a personal note, and I got a note back. She did. She did acknowledge. Yes, yeah, she sure did. It was through her assistant, but she signed it, and the assistant said Lauren is not well enough to write this note, but she is telling me, you know, she she's loved, dictating it, and she signed it. That's oh got to be God. framed in uh, in a place of honor. I, I in have home. I have a box in my house, a beautiful box that I keep all these treasured th- mementos mm-hmm. in there, and and that letter is in that that box. That's I should a great frame it. Story. Actually, you should. Yeah, yeah, that was a great moment. So, so, how did you also marry your acting ability and your singing? When did you know that you could sing? I always sang from the time I was a little girl. I always sang, and my and was that cultivated through lessons? No, just um, natural talent. I just huh? I sang. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, well, I sing too. I didn't. I mean, I mean, I, I, I've taken voice lessons forever. I still take them, but mm-hmm. I didn't. Uh, I don't know. I just I just knew I had a voice when I was a kid. All my friends used to say, "Oh, Lois, sing that song. Will you sing that song for us?" I loved to sing. You know, I loved Elton John and uh, Carol King, and I, I used to sing everything. And then, of course, I knew every song. To every word to every show tune ever written and uh, my parents used to take me to the theater all the time I just loved it there's all these pieces to who you are mm. I mean that's pretty impressive thank you but more than just being versatile it's being skilled mm. and being good at that what was your besides cactus flower your to die for role yeah, I always feel like the thing that I'm working on right now is the thing that's the most, know, important. the most important to me or the thing I love but I I have to go back to cactus flower I think that was one of the 
most thrilling uh, things I've ever done. I loved the entire cast. I loved, I just loved that 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 role. I love digging into it. And I'm a person that really relishes rehearsal. And when you can, you know, chew into a role that collaborative part that of interesting. The- I love collaborating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, that was great. I mean, there are some film roles that I've done. I loved Blowtorch. That was an amazing role. And I loved working with Billy Baldwin and Kathy Najimy yeah. and Armando Santi. I mean, what a cast. And that... what about Ithaca and oh. Meg Ryan being the director? That was her directorial debut, debut. And I got to play um, a small but quite pivotal role in the film. And she is an incredible director. I hope she's doing more and more directing wow. because she because she's done so many films and is such a consummate actress. She really knows what actors need. She had seen the scene that I was in very differently than how I saw it. And ultimately, she was 100 percent correct. The way that she works with you, you know, she just comes in and whispers in your ear very quietly and says, well, why don't you try it this way? And I was like, oh, my God, why didn't I think of that? It was just so right. I have interviewed female directors, one of them being Susan Johnson. Her directorial debut was a film called Carrie Pilby based on a best-selling young adult novel. But why I'm bringing her up was that here she has a lot of street cred, she, mostly as a producer or whatever, but she said it was really hard to do in terms of uh, the crew being largely male and sort of thinking, even mm. though it was very recent to say, well, I have to take you know, orders from a woman. Um, now, Meg Ryan is a big, bold-faced name, but I was wondering if there might have been something similar for her because that's still a field that is very female deficient. I think there was an enormous amount of respect for her on set. I wasn't there the day that Tom Hanks uh, was shooting. I got there, I think, uh, the day we mm-hmm. were going to sit down south. And um, apparently he had the whole crew uh, applaud her after they finished Oh, that's shooting. fabulous. Yeah. Oh, that's I, I really great. it was great. really incredible. Uh, there was enormous respect for her on set. I wrapped a film recently with um, a wonderful female director named Lisa Arnold, a film called One Nation Under God, which is coming out next, uh, I think next February. Um, Great cast. And she uh, was a wonderful director with a largely male crew who had such enormous respect for her. Oh, that's great to hear. Oh, it was an incredible experience. I want to move over to L O V E R. Again, you know, you sing, <laughs> you sing, you dance. What prompted you to write that one woman show? Okay. Well, I had started writing a book and uh, I got to about page 50 and I was just stuck and I didn't know where I was going with it. My husband and I were taking the month of August and we just decided he really wanted to see what it was like to be in Malibu. So we rented a house in Malibu for the summer. And frankly, I was not that happy there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, but if I'm going to be in Malibu for the month, away from all of my friends and you know, not really having my family I'll around. I'll try my, to make chicken my salad girls, out of. My girls mm-hmm. were there and I thought, well, they'll at least you know pop in now and then and visit with us. So I thought, all right, I'll use the month to just write my novel. I'm sorry, my historical novel. (laughs) So nothing was coming. I didn't know what was going. I thought, why can't I write? I thought, am I just down in the dumps because I'm not really loving being in Malibu or what's going on? Anyway, long story short, and you might think I'm completely out of my mind when I finish telling you the story, but my youngest daughter um, is very much like me and she's very into psychics and astrology and all that. So she had gone to see a psychic and she called me and I had just gotten back to New York. 
And she had just come from this visit in L.A. And she said, Mom, this psychic was unbelievable. She speaks to your spirit guides. You really have to make an appointment with her. She was amazing. So I said, okay. So I make an appointment with the woman. And I call her on the phone. Now, my daughter had met her in person, but she said she could she do She does it. phone she does readings? phone readings. And she speaks to your spirit guides. So this is exactly what happened. I kid you not. All right. She said, what do you want to know? I said, well... I'm an actor. I, I've got a film lined up that I'm doing in January. This was September, but there's nothing going on. It's so dead. I don't know what's going on. And I'm worried. Like, is, you know, is my career over? Am I drying up right. here? That's all I asked her. She spoke to my spirit guides and then she came back and she said, okay, look, Lois, I'm just going to uh, jump in the middle here. You didn't ask about this, but your guides are asking me to ask you. So what's going on with your writing? It seems you started to write a book. My daughter said nothing to her about me at all. There's a cynic in me coming right, out. Right? Okay. No, nothing. And she said, it's not a book. They want me to tell you it's a play, and you know how to write it, and this is what it's about. And she gave me the subject matter. She said, and they're telling me that, that you need to write it because it's a game changer. Could you park a truck in your mouth as you're listening to this? Yes. So so I, I hung up the phone. Of course, as I told the story to other people, they were like, I need her name. What's yeah, her name? I, I was her. thinking the same thing. <laughs> After the show, can you give me that phone number? Yeah, oh, no. God. She was wild. So, uh, And then she told me some other things that everything the woman told me has happened, by the way. I hung now, up how the, long ago was this? That was This was a call? year ago. Okay. I hung up the phone. I could not sleep that night. I woke up. I started writing an outline for the play. The next day, I started writing it. I could not stop. It was as if it was being channeled through someplace else. Mm -hmm. And I wrote for two weeks straight. And then I thought, I'm calling Daryl Roth. The producer. I said, I'm just going to call her and make an appointment to go see her and let her know what I'm working on. And I'm going to give myself a deadline to get the first draft finished. So I made an appointment with her for two weeks from then. And I finished the first draft, and I took it with me to her, thinking, I'm just going to hand it to her and say, look, I just want some feedback. Check this out. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you think. Do you think I've got something here? And she couldn't have been more wonderful. She said, it's a one-woman play? I said, yeah. She said, well, read it to me. So you performed it. So I read her the mm -hmm. whole play. Mm -hmm. I kept waiting for her to stop me, you know, like say, okay, I've heard enough, right? But I read. The, she had me read the whole thing. And she said, look, I think you've really got something here. She gave me some notes. She said, this is how I imagine the set. I think you need a female director. I want you to write me a scene that really breaks my heart. Uh, she gave me very, very specific notes, which I took very much to heart. And people who don't know Daryl Roth have to know what street cred this woman no, has. This Tremendous was, history as a I left her office. I felt as if I was having an out-of-body experience, frankly, because I thought, this is Daryl Roth. Now, I've gotten to know her on a personal level. Uh, she's friends with my sister at this point, too. It's a very small New York City world, and she produced Cactus Flower. And so there's a lot of connection mm -hmm, there. But, mm -hmm. still, but she's one very busy lady. Very and... busy woman and uh, very talented and smart. And I was just over the moon. And she said, now I'm going to help you brainstorm thinking about who should direct this. And I think you ought to go out of town with it uh, to get you know, with not getting reviewed get your feet wet with it. Let's see how audiences respond to it. Then you can come back and we'll we'll talk about doing it maybe at the DR2, her theater downtown, something like that. I mean, she really could not have been. And then more supportive. we had several, more, several other conversations about it where I, I sent her other drafts. She's been amazing. 
And um, yeah, so uh, I forget what our question was. Where were we what, going? What with was that? the genesis of this? What, oh, what and, so that, so and that, what happened? To so it? that's what's happening. And uh, I, I, there is a production that underway. is uh, underway, and I'm really excited about it. And a woman named Mary Kate Burke is going to be directing it, and I'm over the moon, over the moon. I can't even begin to tell you. I feel like not only has the writing facilitated other things that are going on for me, but because of the writing, I felt like I took my career back. I took charge. Took ownership? Complete ownership, and I am steering the course. And there's the creative hmm. process of writing has all of a sudden, it stopped me from caring whether or not I got this job or that job. And as a result, I've never, I'm working more right now than I have probably in my 20s. So in a way, that allowed you to be, and I use the term in quotes, master of your own fate. Absolutely. Is that extremely unorthodox, or did some people reach a certain pinnacle in their career where they do the picking and choosing? I came to the conclusion a long time ago that acting is a business, Mm -hmm. and you have to be your own CEO. I say this all the time. And you do have to treat it as a business and do something every day to further the motion and not rely on agents to get you work because at the end of the day, you know, they can only do so much. But if you're not doing your part. Proactive? Completely proactive. I mean, I many of the jobs that I've gotten, the, the one that I uh, – a uh, job I finished recently – um, it wasn't actually through an audition for my agents. It was a producer I met in California called me and said, uh, look, I just walked out of a, a casting session and I thought of you and thought, oh, my God, I should have had Lois Robbins in for this. Where are you? I said, well, I'm out of town. He said, well, can you get yourself put on tape? Because I've just told the director about you and I really think you'd be great in this role. And those are the kinds of things that started to happen, though, because I wasn't waiting I was creating or, something for and, myself. And could I also say to you that while you might not be waiting, you weren't letting other people define you? Yes. Now, that has to be, of all of the things, like the one that just resonates the most or must make you feel the best, that you, in a sense, could be the master of your own fate. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is not a solitary industry. You know, people have to want to produce it or have to want right. to cast you or whatever. But to be where you are must be at an amazing place. Oh, my God. I've never been... Yeah, I feel like this is the most um, relaxed, most creative, uh, most spiritual in some way time in my life. And that you can always grow and move and do, right? Yes. I mean, that, and that you're not washed up. Oh, you're, God, no. I'm right at the beginning. I feel like this is the fabulous. beginning of my career. There's a part of me that thinks, should you be out, you know, doing like a Joel Osteen thing? <laughs> do you consider that... Being anomalous? I started doing um, a, 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 I don't know what to call it, like a little web series called Lessons from Lois. I had started doing it. I haven't had time to do it because uh, I've been so busy with the writing of the play and, mm-hmm. and working and all. But I have thought about it a lot. My, I, my eldest daughter is always saying to me, Mom, everybody comes to you for advice. You know, you really need to do something with this. You, you've got such wonderful, your, your life has been so God, are you incredible. multifaceted. You, you really should be doing something more with that. So what's in the future for you? Well, I'm hoping that the play has a great long run, Mm -hmm. and I'd like to see it um, open in Manhattan, and then I'd like to do it in Los Angeles. And then take it on the road? Take it on the road. I am going to uh, Venice, Italy. 
uh, for filming for filming mm-hmm. for the Aspen papers, and then I'm going to be going to I think it's somewhere in Eastern Europe to shoot a film called Shepherd, uh, which is based on a German book called The Jewish Dog, that uh, is really a, a st- an unbelievable World War II story about uh, a dog who was taken from its Jewish family and reunited with the boy that uh, was the youngest child of the oh, only surviving member of that family it's a true story? at Treblinka. It's not a true story. It's um, a novel. But, a novel. Oh, uh, wow. And I am actually playing the German woman who the dog goes to first before it escapes. And uh, I'm very excited about oh, it. Oh, wow. It's an wow. un- unbelievably heart-wrenching story. So you, and again, in terms of multifaceted, it's drama, it's comedy, it's all those things for you. Yes. you uh, I would hate to be the person that would have to look through your resume. It must be volumes, honest to God, Lois. Well, thank you. No, I'm not. Don't thank me. I'm just, you know, I'm just a truth sayer. It was really great to get to meet and know you. Oh, Sam, it's so great to meet you, too. And I I was going to say, I wish you continued success. You don't need me to do that. Thank you. I would love to see L-O-V-E-R when it comes out. Please keep us posted about all your comings and goings. And it was just refreshing and honest and engaging. Thank you so much for joining Thank me today. Thank you. I loved it. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. But I-